Kombucha, this slightly acidic beverage, started trending in the United States in the 1990s, but was popular in China over 2,000 years ago. In China, it was treasured for its healing properties. Legend has it that the name comes from Dr. Kombu, a Korean doctor who brought the tea or cha to Japan to heal the ailing emperor Inyo. But since Japanese kombucha is made from seaweed, Hootie has some serious doubts about that story's accuracy. I'm Hootie, and you're listening to Hootie the Foodie. He may be 10 years old, but he's an expert. You're listening to Hootie the Foodie. In this episode, we're going to talk about the bubbly fermented tea drink known as kombucha. My guest first learned how to brew kombucha during her time at university, where she earned a master's degree both in nutrition and public health. She eventually combined her talents with those of her husband and best friend and founded Health Aid Kombucha. The three of them were committed to brewing the best-tasting and highest-quality kombucha on the market. In just eight years, they went from homebrewing in closet and selling at farmer's markets to becoming an iconic national brand sold at about 35,000 grocery stores. Diana Trout, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hootie. That was such an awesome intro. And by the way, thank you for the mug you sent me. It's my favorite new <laughs> coffee mug. You're welcome. Diana, Americans are going crazy for kombucha. What is so unique about this bubbly beverage? That's a good question. So you already mentioned in your intro that kombucha is fermented tea. I think that in and of itself is unique because it's fermented, which means it transforms over time. It's hard to make. It takes time to make. Each kombucha you make is really different. So just inherently, kombucha itself is really different than what I think you find on the shelf. But probably the spirit of your question is more, you know, what is attracting people to kombucha today? And I think probably there's a few things about it. First, it makes you feel good. There are some functional benefits to kombucha that people are really seeking right now. Like it's not just good for your digestion, but it just makes you feel good when you drink it. And that's probably because when you support things like gut health, it helps all things about your health. You know, beauty is tied to health. The number one driver of your mood is actually from your gut. So if your gut's working right, you're probably going to be more happy. So all kinds of things are being tied to gut health, which is pretty cool. And kombucha is very supportive of that function. But some other things about kombucha too, like it tastes really good. And then it's got naturally really low sugar, you know, compared to like a soda or something like that. So for all these reasons, it sort of becomes like a perfect bubbly break. I like to have it at 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon when I'm hungry for a snack, but I know I don't need a snack and I need a little energy. So that's when I drink my kombucha. So what's your favorite type of kombucha? Well, my favorite type of kombucha is probably our kombucha, our healthy kombucha. My favorite flavor is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny because I've created all the flavors in our lineup, you know, along with my amazing team. So I kind of have like a special love for all of them. Probably my favorite this week is probably our ginger lemon. It's our number one flavor. Is kombucha like one of those things when you make it and you make like one small mistake, then it's bad for you or tastes wrong? No. You know, nature is a little more forgiving than that in making kombucha. One change will change the flavor. One change will change how the sort of outcome is. And so that's why different company kombuchas taste so different. It's really not something like if I were to give you my recipe, Hootie, 
your kombucha would taste different than mine, even though you'd be following exactly my recipe. And part of it, you know, is hard to explain, but I think it's because so much goes into the natural fermentation part that it's really easy to impact. Now, the part of your question about it being unsafe, though, I want to address because I think it's a common misconception or, you know, myth about kombucha that like you have to be careful when making it. And the truth is that's not really the case. Kombucha is really easy to make. Now, it is hard to make well. Like you might try making kombucha and find, oh, it's really vinegary or, oh, it didn't ferment at all. And you certainly can go off track when making a batch, but it's not something that'll surprise you. Like if your kombucha doesn't ferment, it's going to taste yucky, really yucky. It's going to look yucky. It's going to taste yucky. It's going to be like old tea. You know, everything about it is going to make you say, don't drink that. If it does ferment, what happens is the acids go up. That's what happens in fermentation. Sugar goes down and acids go up. And as those acids go up, the pH goes down. And the pH of a product, also known as like the acidity, when acidity goes up, it protects the liquid. It preserves the liquid. So it's not going to go bad. It's kind of like putting lemon juice in something or, or something like that. So provided it ferments at all, it's safe. It's really safe. And there's really very little you can do to hurt yourself with it. So, so it's like yeah. a lemon either way. Yeah, it basically uses natural acids to elongate a product. Like I can put fresh raw apple juice in kombucha and the kombucha will last a year and hold that apple flavor. Whereas apple juice would go bad in a day on a shelf, you know, it's pretty cool. When did you first get introduced to kombucha? It was around 2005. So what's that, 15 years ago? And I was in graduate school and I was just falling in love with food really and playing with food healing with food cooking with food i got into sprouting things and fermenting things i learned how to make kombucha at that time as well as ferment cabbage and beets so i got into fermenting in, in grad school but i had no idea it was going to be my identity a decade later how do you go about making your first brew um first brew of kombucha you know, it was in grad school. I just followed the very standard recipe, which by the way, is the recipe we still follow today. You know, you make a batch of tea, you let it steep for five to seven minutes. You add a gallon of water, a cup of sugar, a SCOBY. And my SCOBY I got from Tibet. So it was a really special SCOBY in my mind. You know, I let it sit in the closet in my apartment in Boston, right next to the dryer. And it likes the hot, moist areas. So that was perfect. And yeah, I mean, it took me a few batches to get it right. The first time around, it wasn't like fermented enough. The second time around, it was too fermented. And I kind of had to work through some kinks. But by the third or fourth batch, I started to make a really good brew. And funny enough, that SCOBY stayed with me. So I don't know if you know this, Hootie, but every time you make a batch of kombucha, you use something called a SCOBY. The way to think about the SCOBY is it's like a home for the probiotics. The SCOBY itself doesn't actually do anything. It's what's inside the SCOBY. So you make kombucha with this scoby and then it makes a baby in the process of fermentation. It actually makes a second scoby, which is why it's often referred to as a mother, but it's not really a mother. It's a plant. So it's not really a good word. So, okay, but it makes two at the end of the batch. So now out of one batch of kombucha, when it's done, you can make two batches of kombucha and then you can make four and then 16. And so what's crazy is that one scoby I had from Tibet back in 2005, I've carried with me all through this day and has literally made every single batch of health aid to this day. So it's made 600,000 babies or something like that. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. What is a SCOBY? 
So a SCOBY is actually an acronym. The word SCOBY stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. Another way to put it is it's the home for the probiotics. So without the SCOBY, you start with sugar and tea, just like you would make at home. Like let's say we're going to make sweet iced tea. That's all you need to start kombucha with. And then you add this SCOBY. And again, the SCOBY itself is just the house. It's what's inside the SCOBY. So it's the bacteria, yeast, and enzymes. And those bacteria and yeasts eat the sugar and then make all kinds of byproducts that end up transforming the liquid into kombucha. Those probiotics, you probably have heard, um, they're really good for your gut. We're supposed to have more of these things in our gut than there are stars in the Milky Way. It's pretty crazy. Wow. In your gut, Hootie, isn't that nuts? In your gut, there's more bacteria in your gut than there are cells in your body. So many. Probably a lot. (laughs) Trillions. There's trillions of bacteria. And we're supposed to keep those really alive and well. It's good bacteria. It's not the bad bacteria. So it's like the word bacteria, sometimes I don't like using that word because I think people think of like, you know, getting a cold or something. It's actually good bacteria and it's really important for us to be healthy, you know, to have it. How has kombucha evolved over time as it's become more popular? In many ways, kombucha has evolved. For one, the makers of kombucha have gotten really good at making it. So as always, when you start a product and you launch it on the commercial shelf, there's all kinds of kinks and hiccups you got to work through, especially with a product that's alive, like kombucha that ferments and continues to ferment. It's tough to figure out how to ship that across the country and keep it as vibrant and delicious forever. So I think the makers of kombucha have evolved to just get really good at making it and dial in how to get it consistent and how to make it scalable. But Other than that, I think what's kind of cool about what's happening out there in the world of kombucha is like innovation, you know? People are now taking kombucha and mixing it with all kinds of things. So you can buy straight kombucha, but you can also buy kombucha that's mixed with alcohol for maybe a healthier cocktail. You can buy kombucha that's mixed with... Sugar? Well, yeah. So all kombucha starts with sugar because the bacteria eats the sugar to make the acids. So actually sugar has to be there in kombucha. But like for healthy, for example, we sweeten it with only cold pressed juice. So yeah, you can buy all kinds of flavors of kombucha, but we even have like functional things added to it now. So like right now I'm drinking a bottle of chill, Health Aid Plus, and this one has our kombucha, but we've also added to it a lot of lavender, vanilla, and passionflower. And these are actually functional ingredients that sort of drive anxiety down and calmness up. And so it's like kombucha plus extra function. And even beyond that, there's all kinds of cool things about kombucha. So I think it's evolved quite a bit. And I think the future of kombucha is going to continue to expand so that it's a big part of, you know, what we drink. What was it like homebrewing and selling at farmer's markets? It was hard, but it was a lot of fun. So brewing at home, you know, I was cooking all night and I had a day job. So after work, I'd come home and I'd turn on the burners, make as much tea as my day would allow and make a batch of kombucha. And kombucha takes about three, four weeks to complete, you know, at home. So I would start something on a Monday and it wouldn't be ready for another month, right? So like I had to make it every day and bottle it every day at the same time, but I was bottling what was made a month prior. And so it was a lot of work to do that. I wasn't alone. I had my two, you know, co-founders with me and we would work all night, all weekend, every waking moment we had. The farmer's markets were really tough because there was so much physical labor involved and you had to get up so early. 
Sundays was a big day because that's when a lot of the farmer's markets happen in LA. And we would be up at 3.30 in the morning packing coolers. We used to have to ratchet the umbrella, like the canopy on top of the car because, you know, we didn't have a van. And we'd all set out, go to the market. You'd work all day till the market closes, two or three o'clock. Then you'd close up, drive home, unpack the car. I mean, it was like a full physical day in the heat, especially in the summer months. We used to come down and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. But you had to get up Monday and go to work and do it again. So it was really tough on the body, but also a lot of fun. What was your passion for kombucha? What kept you going? Good question. I think when I started the company, for me, the real driver was I wanted to build something I could be proud of and build on my own terms. Probably the same reason that you wanted to make your podcast and not just listen to podcasts. I wanted to start my own business and do it myself and prove that I could do it to myself, but also do it on my terms. Like that was really important to me. Kombucha ended up being the vehicle and what kept me going, even in those really hard moments, especially in the beginning, was probably the people. You know, the farmer's markets in particular, when we would exchange, they would buy a product and I would give them the product and we would talk and smile and I would see their excitement for the product, seeing the line down the street when people would come to the market, the buzz that was created around our booth, that really kept me going. And no matter how tired I was or bruised and cut up I was from carrying so many boxes, it was like really exciting to leave the market and have sold out. You know, like imagine one day waking up and being like, oh my God, I have a million listeners on my podcast. Like that's the kind of feeling that I would get at the farmer's market. And it kept me going. It still keeps me going. Seeing product, like when people drink the product in the wild or like if I'm walking on the street and I see somebody just drinking a health aid, my heart skips a beat every time. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with health aid CEO, Donna Trout. We're back to Hootie the Foodie. Welcome back to Hootie the Foodie. I'm talking about kombucha with HealthAid co-founder and CEO, Dinah Trout. You and your parents sell on a mission to make the best tasting and highest quality kombucha on the market. What factors affect the taste and quality of kombucha? You have such great questions, Hootie. So everything affects the quality of the kombucha. Everything you put into it. Just like... What's your favorite food to eat, Hootie? Sushi or steak. Okay. Do you ever make it at home? Yes. Okay. So don't you find that like sometimes it can taste better than other days? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that usually happens because you put, you know, the ingredients you bought that day or maybe the way you made it that day, like made the outcome so much better. So same thing with kombucha, like the higher the quality of flavors you put in and even maybe the more love you put in when you're making it, the better. But yeah, I mean, it all matters, just like making something at home. I was going to say those like fresh matter, but I realized it probably wouldn't because when you make kombucha, you let it ferment for a while. Yeah, but actually the freshness of the juice that you put in really matters. I find when I taste kombuchas that are made with concentrates or pasteurized juices, they don't taste as good. So I think freshness actually does matter because if you think about it, even though it ferments, Kombucha almost like preserves the freshness because of that acidity. So however it tasted 
when it was like locked in, that's kind of how it's going to taste forevermore. So I actually think freshness does matter a lot. What are some of the things that makes Health Aid stand out from other commercial kombuchas? Yeah. So we stop at nothing to make the best tasting and highest quality kombucha you can buy. So for us, it's about what goes into the product. It's about how we make it. We're very interested in having a product that's very rich in probiotics. We ensure that it does. Very rich in healthy acids. So some of the acids that our kombucha has are called gluconic acid, acetic acid, lactic acid. These are all acids now that science is starting to study heavily and finding real health benefits with. So for us, it's just about being the absolute best in the market. And secondly, what makes us different is we want to expand kombucha to new people. So we're not an exclusive brand. We're not only for the few. We want everyone to love kombucha and come to kombucha. So that makes us different as well because I think our packaging is a little more appealing and our messaging is a little bit more mainstream so that customers perhaps like you and all different ages and genders and people will come to it and recognize this is not just a hippy-dippy product. When you were thinking of names, how did you settle on HealthAid? So we actually named HealthAid pretty quickly. It was named in just a few minutes around the table. My husband, Justin, was drinking a Gatorade, actually, and I'll kind of like the word aid. Aid reminds me of lemonade, which is like super delicious. It reminds me of the summertime. And we saw him drinking it, and we were like, well, it's healthier than that. So the three of us for a bit referred to it as healthy aid. And it just felt a little clunky, healthy aid, healthy aid, healthy aid. And it just sort of, as we said it more and more, we just dropped the Y and we just said health aid, health aid, health aid. And then it kind of like really hummed for us. And so we, you know, landed on it. And now I'm so happy with the name because it represents not just kombucha to me, it represents what it could be one day. And I want our business to be one day, which is drinks that are delicious and better for you. If I don't have those reasons, I love named it Hootie and Kombucha. <laughs> I love it. What are some of the hurdles that you faced as the company has grown? So many hurdles. I mean, to be honest, starting a business, starting anything big is nothing but hurdles. You know, it's pretty much nonstop problem solving from day one. And yes, you also get to celebrate the wins but it's been nonstop hurdles, you know, keeping up with the growth. So I think a lot of people love to talk about how much health aid has grown and I love to talk about it and I love to see it. And of course I want to see it grow more and I'm very grateful for all of that growth, but to keep up with that growth is really challenging. It's challenging for a few reasons. For one, to have the money to keep up with it. So especially in the beginning months and beginning years, you know, we had to buy all that tea, water, sugar, all the ingredients, the jars, the kitchen space. That all had to be bought like well in advance. Remember we talked about how kombucha takes four weeks to make? Yeah. Well, imagine if I'm selling it to like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. They don't want to pay for the product until a good three months after they get it. But you have to pay for the product three months before you sell it. So that means for six months time, you have to actually have that amount of cash on hand to like cover business. And if you're growing a lot, you need to actually have the cash it would take to sell products six months ahead. It's sort of difficult to explain in a really simple way, but I guess what was a big lesson for us was figuring out how to keep enough money on hand to be able to support the growth of a fast growth business. And that was a very big lesson. And 
continues to be a lesson, especially in the beginning years. It was very tough to make it week to week without maxing out our credit cards. Another thing that was challenging is keeping up with the growth from a manufacturing side. So we make our kombucha and we started making it in our kitchen. When we were making it in our kitchen, it was pretty simple. You know, we were making it probably like you make your favorite foods, your steak or your sushi. But imagine if you had to make your sushi recipe, but for like 10,000 people. There wouldn't be enough hours in the day probably for you to do that in the kitchen, right? So we had to figure out ways to invest in certain equipment that could do it faster than people. We had to invest in bigger spaces. We had to invest in all kinds of different elevations and enhancements to our process so that we could make more and make it faster. And that has been a continuous challenge because no matter what, you're always kind of feeling like you're behind if you're growing. And it's been a nonstop, continuous effort of getting better and better and better and better in manufacturing. So those are some examples, but there's just so many. I could probably write 10 books on it <laughs> if anybody would read it. <laughs> I would read it. Oh, thanks, Sudie. I'm going to do it now. You said before you started out with one SCOBY and you made like tons of them from them. Do you have the world record for most SCOBYs? Probably. I don't know that there's been a world record made for this, but I'd put my hat in the ring for it. You have unique flavors. How do you add natural flavors to Health Aid Kombucha? The only flavors we add to Health Aid are cold pressed juice. And occasionally we'll add powders where we can't get the cold pressed juice. So for example, we add maca root to one of our kombuchas and maca root kind of almost looks like a potato or carrot, but it's not really grown in the States. And so it's sold to us mostly in like a pulverized kind of dried form. No, that's it. We don't add anything else. Just juices, things like lemon peel, all natural stuff. Is there a favorite among kids? Yes, actually, for sure, kids love Pink Lady Apple. That's one of the favorites. But kids are really starting to like Booch Pop. So we, we haven't talked about it, but we make a product that's sort of like a half step away from kombucha. It's called Booch Pop. It comes in a can. I don't know if you've seen it, Hootie, but we'd be happy to send you some if you like. And it's a bit of a friendlier version of kombucha. It's like a bit more fruit forward. It's got less kombucha in it, even though it has some in it. It's got prebiotics instead of probiotics, which are still important for gut health. Prebiotics are actually food for probiotics. So without prebiotics, you can't have a healthy gut either. And it's a smaller size and it's in a can. So it tends to be a real fan favorite for kids of all ages. And in that lineup, I think all the flavors are really good, but my personal favorite is, and my son's personal favorite, is grape. The grape kombucha tastes like so good. It tastes like grape soda, but it has 85% less sugar, which you may not care about, but I'm sure your parents do. It's got like a ton of health benefits in it, so pretty excited about that one. I was actually thinking about it. I was thinking, like, isn't kombucha pretty, like, sugary? Because don't you put a lot of sugar in to feed the SCOBY? Yeah. So the SCOBY itself, remember, it doesn't eat anything because the SCOBY is not alive. It's what's inside the SCOBY, right? So the bacteria, you mean, eat the sugar. So, yes, it's true. You do start with a lot of sugar in kombucha, but the bacteria eats almost all of it. So it eats it, and then it transforms the sugar into all kinds of different byproducts. So the sugar goes down. In fact, you can ferment kombucha all the way to zero sugar. It tastes really vinegary. If you do that, like it'll be really acidic. 
but you can do that. Actually, it has very little sugar in it. Compared to soda, it's got like 80, 90% less sugar. Diana, thank you for joining me and sharing your kombucha expertise and passion. Where can we find Health Aid Kombucha online? Well, you can buy all of our flavors online at healthaid.com and also on Amazon Prime. Do you know what your Instagram is? Yes, at healthaid. And then my personal Instagram is at Dinah Trout. My awesome audience, thanks for listening. Please consider becoming a patron to help support the podcast. It's easy. Just visit hootiefoodie.com and click on Become a Patron button. I'm Hootie, I'm Hungry, and you just listened to Hootie the Foodie. You've been listening to Hootie the Foodie. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review in your podcast app and follow on Instagram at Hootie the Foodie. Till next time. 